All right, y'all. So what I'm going to do tonight is uh, just talk a little bit about Sabbath in general. And then we will uh, take a little break in a few moments and give you guys some space to maybe dialogue some or ask questions or maybe uh, ask spouses, for those of you who are here with your spouse, to maybe talk a little bit about what the implications of this are uh, in y'all's lives. And um, so I want to begin by just uh, asking three questions. These are the three questions that will kind of guide our time tonight. Uh, the first is just, what is the Sabbath? Uh, so we'll talk about that. The second is, uh, is keeping the Sabbath still a command? Uh, is that an Old Testament thing and that's kind of over and done with, or is that something we still need to be mindful of? Uh, and then the third question will be, uh, if it's something that we should do on some level, how should we go about practicing the Sabbath? Uh, what's that? Was that Taylor? That right there was how you practice it. Yes, so this is uh, some guy falling asleep reading his Bible. That is, that is the Sabbath right there in a nutshell. Mic drop. All right. So let's start with this one. What, what is the Sabbath? Um, I think that the, real, the realization for me is that when, when we're talking about the Sabbath or when you hear someone talking about the Sabbath, you kind of have to ask, what are you talking about? Uh, what do you mean when you say Sabbath? I think there are at least four possible things that people are talking about when they talk about the Sabbath. Um, so let's walk through these real quick. The first is uh, what I'm just going to call the Jewish Sabbath. You could call this the Old Testament Sabbath, the Hebrew Sabbath, uh, something like that. Uh, this is found in numerous places in the Old Testament. I mentioned Genesis 2 here, which is uh, God completing his work of creation and resting from his work or ceasing his work on the seventh day. Uh, Exodus 20 uh, is where we see this as a part of the Ten Commandments, um, which is connected to Genesis 2. Uh, what Exodus 20 tells us is that the, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, uh, were to observe the seventh day as a day of rest unto the Lord, and that was rooted in what God had done on the seventh day. Uh, and for the Hebrews, this was primarily a day of rest and worship. And it's one of eight holy days prescribed in the Torah, but it is the only one included in the Ten Commandments. Um, and it predates the law of Moses. It predates the law being handed down to Moses on Mount Sinai in that this is a command that comes up. If you've been walk, uh, following our videos uh, we've been putting out each week, this is a command that comes up when God gives manna to the people of Israel. Uh, and he gives them specific instructions about how to go about collecting the manna. Um, and all of his instructions are rooted in the people relying on him for, for his daily provision. Vision, that the manna is going to be there every day, so they're not to hoard the manna. On the sixth day, on, uh, they are on, on what would be Friday, they are to collect a double portion so that on Saturday, the seventh day, they don't have to go out and collect manna. So that's where we first see it pop up. It's then one of the Ten Commandments, and it, it then gets fleshed out more uh, throughout the rest of the Torah and the Old Testament in general. Uh, so that's the Jewish Sabbath. Uh, the next is what we could call the Christian Sabbath, uh, or the New Testament Sabbath, or something like that. Uh, the earliest Christians did not keep Saturday 
as their day of worship. They did not observe the Jewish Sabbath, uh, but instead they began worshiping on Sunday. Uh, this was something that happened uh, seemingly during the time of the apostles. Uh, John references Sunday as the Lord's Day in Revelation 1.10. And then in Acts 20, we see Paul preaching to the gathered body, uh, the gathered church in the city of Troas on Sunday. That's when uh, Eutychus falls out the window and is dead. And then... Uh, so that's uh, the Christian Sabbath. Sabbath is uh, a day. It is Sunday, and it is a day that is connected to worship. And uh, the next one is uh, a more modern thing. This is Sabbath as a verb. Um, I, I think this is a, a much more recent innovation in our usage of this word that we would talk about Sabbathing in the way that we do. Um, and that could mean resting, recreating, worshiping, etc. However, this is sometimes used without reference to a Jewish or Christian understanding of Sabbath. Um, and it could be approached more as like a, a self-help or self-care cue uh, for anxiety or depression or busyness or overwork or exhaustion. Um, I need to Sabbath. Uh, in the extreme, Sabbathing could simply mean taking a me day, um, and it's just kind of completely divorced from God or the worship of God. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to make the case tonight that those two things have been pretty much inextricably linked throughout uh, biblical history, church history, and that is this idea of rest with the worship of God. That, that They're not two separate things that we see uh, in Judaism or in the early Christian church or in the Reformation or anything like that. Um, and then the last thing is Christ as Sabbath. And sadly, uh, I think 95% of the time when people are talking about the Sabbath or Sabbath, this is not actually what they're talking about. Um, but this is a significant thing in the New Testament. Uh, the Jewish Sabbath, while establishing important rhythms of work, rest, worship, feasting, um, is an Old Testament symbol, ultimately, that is pointing to the Messiah, Jesus, who is our ultimate rest. Um, through Christ, who is Lord of the Sabbath, that's what he says of himself in Matthew 12, uh, we no longer have to labor in law-keeping in order to be justified in the sight of God. Um, Paul talks about that. Uh, Hebrews 4 that I have up here talks about the fact that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And then Matthew 11 is famously Jesus saying, what? Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, so this seems to be something that Jesus claims of himself. And then the writer of Hebrews expands on this more fully. Um, and that's a, a, a fantastic text that I really encourage you to spend some time with. We're not going to dig into it deeply tonight. Um, so, yeah, those are... Uh, what I think people are talking about most often when they are talking about the Sabbath. They're either talking about the Jewish Sabbath, they're talking about a very Old Testament kind of thing, they're talking about a very New Testament kind of thing. Uh, this is especially true in the Protestant Reformation, the Christian Sabbath, the idea of the Lord's Day uh, is uh, a preeminent thing for many of the Reformers. 
Um, and so those guys uh, perhaps were talking mostly about worship, corporate worship, gathering with the body of Christ on the Lord's Day. Uh, they differed some on what it meant to Sabbath, to use that as a verb. They differed some, they, they all agreed that corporate worship should be happening. Uh, they disagreed some on to what extent rest uh, should be a part of the day and to what extent recreation should be a part of the day. Uh, the other is Sabbath as verb, and then finally Christ as Sabbath. Any questions about those before we move on to the next one? What are we talking about when we talk about Sabbath? Question two, is Sabbath, or is keeping the Sabbath still a command? Um, this is, and I was telling Taylor this afternoon, uh, as I've been uh, doing a lot of reading on Sabbath, as you know, I was preparing for tonight and other things, it's just amazing to me how hotly debated this question has been throughout church history. Um, uh, all the way back to even the early church fathers. Um, how do we how do we view this uh, in today's world? There are like really solid biblical teachers who I deeply respect who land in completely different places on this issue. Um, and so understanding who Christ is, I think, and what he has done is a key to interpreting whether or not keeping the Sabbath is a modern obligation, as if we are under some kind of command to continue to do this in a particular way, and if we don't do it, it is some kind of sin to us. Um, that's the real question. So a few points for us to consider. Uh, first of all, by Jewish standards, Jesus did not keep the Sabbath. Um, if we're talking about the Jewish standards of his day, um, I would make the case that Jesus did keep the Sabbath in regards to the actual law of Moses. But by the standards of the Pharisees in Jesus' day, who had added much to the law of Moses in terms of obligations and restrictions, Jesus refers to that in terms of the, the burdens that they were putting on people. Um, Jesus definitely did not live up to their expectations of what it meant to keep the Sabbath. This is the picture of uh, Jesus' disciples picking heads of grain on the Sabbath uh, because they were hungry, something that uh, the other Jews had a big issue with, that they were doing this on the Sabbath. They're working on the Sabbath because they're picking heads of grain uh, to feed themselves. And um, while we see Jesus engaged in Sabbath worship, we do see, see Jesus going to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Uh, the Gospels say that that was his custom. Um, he did not adhere nor require his disciples to adhere to the burdensome standards of quote unquote rest that were imposed by the Jewish leaders. And, um, you know, he, he doesn't say a lot about it, but, but what he basically says uh, revolves around like what is what is right like in terms of caring for your neighbor caring for yourself 
Um, I think a lot of this ultimately comes back to love of God and love of neighbor as we think about this topic. And so, you know, Jesus, uh, in this particular instance where his disciples are picking head, heads of grain, uh, he references David, who was starving uh, on the run from Saul and goes into a synagogue and eats the showbread, right? He eats the, the like consecrated bread that was on the altar. Um, and Jesus talks about that as if that was okay because it was what he needed uh, in the moment. And he relates that to his disciples. And it's almost, to me, it's almost like Jesus is saying, what do you care more about, the well-being of these people, or do you care more about keeping these rituals and these regulations that you've put in place? Um, when you go back into like the Torah and you actually look at what is, you know, in uh, the, the Bible as it relates to um, like actual restrictions, like things you should or shouldn't be doing on the Sabbath. I don't know if I still have this pulled up. Um, I do. Yeah. There are just a few things, honestly, that were completely prohibited on the Sabbath. Uh, actually, four things. Uh, kindling a fire was prohibited on the Sabbath. Gathering manna was prohibited on the Sabbath. Selling goods was prohibited on the Sabbath. And, uh, quote unquote, bearing burdens. Um, and only two of those come out of uh, the actual Torah, and, and that's kindling a fire and gathering manna. Selling goods comes out of Nehemiah, and bearing burdens comes out of Jeremiah. So if you're looking at the scope of the Old Testament, there are four things that the people were prevented from doing on the Sabbath. And what the Pharisees and, and uh, others, I don't know that it was only the Pharisees, but the Pharisees were really the ones, I think, uh, most at play during Jesus' day. What they had done ultimately was was that they had speculated at great length as to what things like bearing burdens meant. Um, and to the point where it's like, if you're picking a head of grain, that, that somehow constitutes you bearing a burden on the Sabbath. Uh, on the other hand, there were all kinds of things that were permitted on the Sabbath by the Old Testament. Military campaigns, for example. Uh, marriage feasts, dedication feasts, uh, visiting a man of God uh, within the temple, changing temple guards, preparing the showbread and putting it out, offering sacrifices. The duties of the priests and the Levites were not prohibited on the Sabbath. Uh, the opening of the East Gate, uh, Ezekiel mentions that. Um, and so that's, that's like the extent of what the scripture actually says um, about that. Another thing to realize, again, is that the earliest Christians did not keep the Jewish Sabbath. Um, and this is connected to the fact that Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week. Um, so the earliest Christians, I mean, I, I, within a few decades at least of Jesus's resurrection, it seems to be the case that Christians are gathering for worship to break bread together on the first day of the week. Uh, again, John refers to it as the Lord's Day, uh, which becomes a very popular uh, reference or thing to call Sundays later down the road. Um, but yeah, the earliest Christians didn't keep the seventh day nature of the Hebrew Sabbath. They instead began worshiping on the first day of the week. And to me, that just indicates that that is something that is somewhat up for grabs, that they did not feel, those who were closest to Christ, the apostles themselves, did not feel an obligation uh, to keep the Sabbath in the strictest sense um, of that command from the Old Testament. 
Jesus perfectly fulfills the Old Testament law. This is another key point. Jesus says that he had not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And while this does not necessarily mean that the moral law goes away, Jesus speaks too much of the moral law, murder, adultery, you know, things of that nature. Um, it must be interpreted through the lens of the gospel. So when we start to think about, is this something I sh like I'm obligated to do or commanded to do still, we have to interpret it through the lens of the gospel of Jesus. Um, and Jesus speaks of the Sabbath being made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's again in response to the legalism the Pharisees, uh, Jesus insinuates that they don't understand the point or the purpose of the law correctly. Um, I think that's some of what he's getting at there. You guys don't really understand what the intention of this has always been. Uh, some people read that as Jesus reinterpreting the Old Testament Sabbath. I don't think that's actually what he's doing. I think what Jesus is saying is, no, you just don't get it. Like, you don't understand what it's always been about. To some extent, I think that's true. Like, with all, in the Sermon on the Mount, with all of Jesus's, you've heard it said, but I tell you, statements. You've heard it said, you shouldn't murder, but I tell you this like if you're even like angry in your heart towards someone else like that that's not any better um, if you look at a woman lustfully well that's the same thing as adultery I don't think Jesus is changing the command per se I think he's really helping us understand what the purpose and the intention of it has always been um, so Jesus speaks of it as being something that is not necessarily for God uh, but something that God has given to man. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, Jesus says the point of the law is love of God and neighbor. So if this is a part of the law, the Sabbath command, if that's a part of the law, Jesus says the point of the law, like uh, that all the law and the prophets hang on this command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Jesus is the only one who has perfectly loved God and neighbor. Ever, thus fulfilling the law. Paul teaches in Romans 8 that those who are in Christ are set free from obligation to the law because Christ has done what the law never could. Um, those who are in Christ um, are, you know, in no way under obligation to try to keep the law perfectly because what Paul gets at is no one could ever keep the law perfectly. Everyone still needed uh, a savior. And Jesus has come along now. He has kept the law perfectly. And ultimately, as the writer of Hebrews said, he becomes our Sabbath rest. We are we enter into him. Paul uses that phrase in Christ. We enter into him and thus enter into our rest from having to labor, as it were, at the law um, in order to somehow be justified to God. And then six, uh, Paul, again, appears to teach in Romans 14 that Christians are under no obligation to keep the Sabbath law. Uh, Paul doesn't teach that it's wrong necessarily to continue to keep the Sabbath in an Old Testament Hebrew way. Um, he doesn't teach that it is wrong to esteem one day above another day, um, but rather that a Christian should not look down on another Christian who thinks differently on this issue. Um, so in the context of that chapter, he's writing the church in Rome. There are Jews and Gentiles in the mix in Rome, uh, obviously. So you've got two, potentially two days 
in each of those camps that is esteemed higher than others. One Saturday, one Sunday, Paul basically says, uh, and he, he talks about the dietary restrictions as well. He's like, look, if, if somebody thinks he, he should eat this way, let them eat that way. If somebody thinks this day is better than another day, that's fine. Like, let's not get sideways over these kinds of things. Instead, in whatever you're doing, do it to the glory of God, right? So if you think Saturday's the day, if you think Sunday's the day, great. Like, do it to the glory of God. Um, 